today we're going to look at a picture of the love between the Father and the Son. Uh, Ten years ago, eleven years ago, I found myself on the, the, the shorelines of Asia uh, for the first time. And we were going there to uh, go out into some villages on motorcycles and to drive these motorcycles into the jungles and to just share the gospel with people who had never seen uh, white people at all, had never seen human beings, and for some, um, outside of their own native uh, culture and language. And for some, they had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And so it was a very, very, very uh, open time. It's when the 1040 window that the, of Cambodia was open, and they let people in. And I had an opportunity to go in with a group of 17 people. Uh, and so we piled on our motorcycles, and we got together and prayed, and we asked God to open up people's eyes to the gospel. It was an incredible experience. Is literally a couple hundred, 300 people responded to the gospel in villages and huts. We just said the name of Jesus Christ, and people got saved, and it was a, 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 an amazing time for me. But just prior to that, right before we headed out, um, the leader that led us through this, I went as an intern leader, led us through this, shared the story of Cambodia, shared the story of the Khmer Rouge that came in, in 24 hours, over a million people were massacred and killed. And the country was under communist uh, rule. Pol Pot decided that he wanted to, to remove anybody that was educated, anybody owned a business, and to literally wipe out the country and to brainwash the children so that they would be the leaders of that country. And so Cambodia experienced tragedy. And so what we had to do was walk through um, a, a torture center called Tulslang Prison. And as I stood there with... Jay Bell, and he looked at this group and he said these words I'll never forget. As we're about to walk through this prison, he said, I want you to realize something. In order for you to understand the victory that took place here, in order for you to understand what these people have been through, you've got to feel the pain. And I remember thinking through that and trying to process in my mind, not fully ready to grasp what I was about to see. And as I walked through this prison, there were pictures, these torture chambers where people were chained to beds and they were tortured and killed. These pictures of, of these Cambodians who were hanging by their feet and dropped into water tanks and literally drowned. There were pictures and portraits of the dead, children, just all over this wall. It was just, I just remember I wept the whole way through and I got to the end and I recognized that I was feeling the pain. And Jay pulled us aside. He says, you got to feel the pain to understand the victory. And I think if we truly took time to understand the pain that our father went through, our father God, when... Jesus left heaven and came for Christmas. I don't think we fully grasp that. Because for us, Christmas is a time of receiving gifts. Christmas, and it should be a time of, of celebration. But the Father's perspective of Christmas was so different. When Jesus came, he felt pain because when he would walk the shorelines of heaven, there was a vacancy in heaven. And so when he gave, he knew what his son was about to go through. And so there was this picture of pain. Over this past year, and in this auditorium and in the link and across our world that's watching through internet, there are people who have experienced death, people who have watched loved ones, babies who weren't born uh, full birth and they, they lost their children. We've had people in this community who've lost young children to crib death. We have individuals who have lost husbands and wives. And, and all across this room are people who feel pain at Christmas time. And so I. I want you to recognize something. We have a Father God who understands your pain probably more than what you recognize. And not only does he understand the pain, he's able to heal that pain. But I want us today in a fresh way, and my desire is this, is that somehow you walk away today and you recognize that when Christ came, it was a gift that was a sacrificial gift. And it was a gift from a father who loves us so much that he was willing to watch his son come to earth in the form of a man. And he knew that there would be a point that Christmas time, 33 years later, he would die. So Christmas for him was a lot different. I'm about to show you a video that I think carries a lot of emotion. And I doubt very much as you watch this video that there won't be a dry eye um, in, in this room. Because here's why. Because there's pain. There's this little boy who they want to hold on to Christmas. And they received, the parents received this pending news that this child was going to die. And so this community gathers around 
to bring something to this family and this child so that he can celebrate Christmas. And in the end, there's pain. And Christmas was like that for our God, Father God. And so hopefully as we walk through this message today and as you walk through that, you will see that we've had a great high priest who's been tempted in every way, felt all the pain that you felt, and he felt it and he was willing to continue to walk through it so that we could receive salvation. My hope today is this. Maybe there's a layer on your heart that's been cold and, you, and you've been uh, resistant to God. And somehow he'll peel that away and you'll see that there's a God that loves you so much that Christmas for him was a separation from his son and yet he was willing to walk through that. Not much different than what this family is experiencing right here in this video. Watch this video. At the age of 13 months, a little boy named Dax Locke was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. The doctors told his parents that most likely he wouldn't make it to see Christmas. This song is inspired by the true story of how a family and a whole town rallied together to make sure that this little boy could have one last Christmas. child you love so much might not make it through the years now the thought of spending Christmas without him just feels wrong they've been praying for a miracle now they're praying he can just
They gave everything so he could have one last Christmas. One last Christmas. Make a donation to St. Father God, I uh, I hope and pray today that somehow that you will penetrate our hearts and uh, God, that we would grasp what it was like for you when you sent your son Jesus. And God, I pray in this room that you would cover the pain that's in here that surfaces during the holidays of lost ones, God. Jesus, you understand pain. And God, you understand loss. You, you've been through it. You, you willingly gave up your son, Jesus. And Christmas meant something so very different to you. And even as this family saw the pending Christmas coming and Doc's ready to lose this life. They understand, too, the need for a redeemer, the need for someone to heal their wounds. Oh, God, I ask an unusual way in this room that you would intervene. And, Lord, help us not to just coast through this Christmas season and miss the message of a father who gave his son to us who didn't deserve this grace gift. Jesus, let us feel the pain so that we can understand the victory and understand what it meant when you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, guide us through this time and may we never look at Christmas the same again. And may we see it as a a father and son who loved us so much that they were willing to separate and willing to die for us. Lord, may we never take that for granted again. And may this Christmas be different. And may we take this gift that we received and just pass it on, God. And Lord, I ask for healing for those who feel the pain that surfaced again. And God, only you can touch it and heal it. And I pray that you would do it in an unusual way. In Jesus' name, amen. I won't pretend that this is easy. I won't pretend that the pain that you feeling are feeling right now doesn't hurt. But what I do know is this. I'm old enough to realize and walk through life to realize that sometimes you've got to feel the pain to understand the victory. And sometimes we've got to recognize what Christ went through in order for us to look at Christmas and say, this is so very different than what, I, what I've been visualizing. You see... I'm a recipient of grace, unbelievable grace, because Jesus was willing to come and live on planet Earth for me, and because of that, go to the cross, and he was resurrected, and because of that, I have this opportunity, and I received it as a young kid, of salvation through this unconditional gift. You see, when I look at Christmas, it's more than the gifts that are around the tree. I love every part of that. I love giving gifts. I love giving to my family. I love every element of that. But sometimes we lose sight of what it took for us to celebrate that, especially in a society that wants to remove Christ from Christmas. Our Savior went through a lot in order for us to experience salvation. And there was a time when Jesus was trying to describe this on his own. I want you to grab your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of John. If you need a Bible, just hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to John, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Turn to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Please follow along. If you didn't bring a Bible in, we'd love for you to have this Bible. Here at Grace, we look at the Word of God, and we want people to have a Bible in their hand to follow along. And if you don't own a Bible personally, I encourage you to take that Bible home. But go ahead and grab a Bible if you don't have one, and we'll walk through Scripture today. John chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. And I want you to turn to John chapter 3. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read it together. It's a verse 
that a lot of us know we might have learned as youngsters. Maybe you learned it late in life because you came to know Christ. But I want to set up this, this passage. Jesus is having a conversation. He's having a conversation with a man who's he's trying to explain about the gift of eternal life. His name is Nicodemus. And sometimes when we look at this verse, and you and I have memorized this verse, sometimes we look at this and we think that, that John wrote these words. But picture this for a second. Jesus is saying these words. He has a person in front of him. These are his words. These aren't the author's, John's words. These are Jesus' words. And we're going to read John 3, 16 and 17. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You may have a seat. I don't know if you've ever thought through that, but this week after thinking through this, this concept of the father-son relationship, Jesus is articulating the verse that many of us have taken to memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who are believing in should not perish of everlasting life. We even know it by rote memory. But picture, back away from this, from how you have memorized. Back away and picture. This is Jesus saying this to Nicodemus. And as he's saying this, he recognizes that he's the gift. He recognizes that he is the person that needs to die. He recognizes in third person that I'm the son that God gave. And as he's sharing this to Nicodemus, he understands what that means to him. And what that means to him is that there will come a point where not only will he, he face trouble and hardship, but he will face death and he will die. And because of that death, he will be resurrected. So he's looking at Nicodemus saying, I'm the person I'm the person that God so loved so much, he gave me. My daddy said, you go, son. Have you ever thought that from that perspective? Have you ever think, thought that Jesus was articulating these words, and when he said it, he didn't back away from it? He was willing to walk through it. He was willing to say, I'm the person that will be the gift for you. Now, I want you to picture this, this whole journey of before the earth was created, while Christ walked, and then taking Christ to the cross. Christmas is more than the Christmas tree. It's more than the gifts that we receive. It began with a gift giver given a perfect gift for us. The time before Christmas, picture if you can. I've tried to this week. You see, I'm a father and I have children. And some of you are fathers and, and you have children. And some of you are mothers and you have children. And some of you are are teachers of children. But picture a father and a son on the, the, the shore of heaven, skipping rocks across the, the, the pristine lakes that are in heaven, way before earth was created, way before a name of a person that walked on earth, just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Picture angels worshiping them, and as they're skipping stones across the lake, across heaven, and monarch butterflies are, are flying from plant to plant, and squirrels are scampering, and deer are gazing, and birds are chirping, a perfect moment in time way before creation, way before the earth was created. Picture a father and son taking all this glory and angels bowing down to him, the seraphim, the cherubim, and all they heard were angel wings way before man was created. But somewhere in this conversation, somewhere in before the, the earth was created, way before the earth took shape, God had a talk with his son, and he turns to his son, not much different than than we as fathers have with our children. And the master plan was laid out. And he looks at Jesus and he says, here's the plan. Every jot and tittle was covered from here to, to infinity and beyond. He tells him that there will be an earth that's created. He tells him that there will be humankind. He tells him that Satan will be kicked out of, of heaven and he'll have these demons that surround him and work for him on earth. And he tells about Satan trying to woo people to himself. And then he tells him this plan that these people will be deceived by Satan. Then he says, there will come a time when Satan's thrown in hell and praise God for that. And so he's having this conversation, conversations like they've never had before. Thousands of years are planned out in a moment of time. Names like Adam to Zeke and Alyssa to Zebulon are circulated saying, they'll live here, they'll live there. Every person's name mentioned, every hair counted on people's heads. 
century after century plan between a Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit. And then there's silence in heaven as the Father begins to unfold a plan that brings his Son to earth. The silence is deafening as God the Father knows that some kind of remedy must be developed to answer man's need of salvation. And then the Father reads this in Revelation 13:8. It just says this. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. The early days were perfect before this conversation, and they remained perfect in heaven. But they never talked about this moment in time as we understand it. Now, I know Jesus thinks past, present, and future, but from our mindset and our finite minds, this conversation occurred at a moment of time. And then the word death rattled the hallways of heaven for the very first time, a place where the word death and sin never existed before. Imagine if there was a break in the hallelujah courses as the angels considered a day without a son, without Jesus. And so they began to think, Sin and death, and then they ran to the, the angelic dictionary and said, what does death mean? What does sin? It was a word they never heard, and they went there, and it wasn't there. Angels aren't all-knowing. And so this, this death call verberated and, and ran throughout the whole heavens that we know today. And then it hit home that Jesus was going to die. You see, we don't think about that. We don't think about the son that's going to die. When we think about Christmas, we think about gifts that were given, but there was a moment in time when this conversation had to be articulated and there was a willingness amongst the Father and Son and Holy Spirit that Jesus would come. Imagine you sitting with your son or daughter. Imagine me sitting with my son, my 18-year-old, my 19-year-old, and my 11-year-old and having a conversation that goes something like this setting Josh down and Isaiah down and saying, hey, buds, I love you a bunch, but you know there's going to be a separation for 33 years and, and what that might mean to us. Imagine from a, just a human perspective, put some flesh to potentially this conversation. Imagine me looking at Isaiah's 11-year-old and saying, I'm going to miss out on a high school graduation. I'm going to miss out on that, that first kiss. I, I'm going to miss out on that wedding date. I'm going to miss out on maybe that moment where God lets you elevate yourself in golf or sports or whatever it is, and I won't be there to cheer you on. Imagine those moments that, that are just priceless to parents. Imagine having that conversation between a father and son and possibly saying for the first time that we might not ever see each other again because personally me, I might be dead by then in 33 years. How about his side of the story? I mean, think about the son's perspective. I mean, think about your son you're sitting with. It. Imagine my boys looking at me and said, Dad, but I might not learn how to build a house or change oil or, or change brakes. or I, I, I won't be able to share the joys of life with you. And I want to be able to call up Dad and say this and say that. And I want to have you there at my wedding and being part of watching me overcome asthma and, and the physical illnesses that are on my body. I want you to be there when maybe I play collegiate golf or, or I say I do. See, the father and son in the heavens were about to miss out on something that we don't even wrap our minds around. The vacant seat on the throne was evidence that Jesus was gone. And I often wonder if, if God, as he, as he perused the hallways of heaven, he went by and the vacancy was there, that Jesus was now incarnate. He was on earth, he was flesh and bones, and he chose willingly to go, and God willingly gave him so that we could have salvation. You see, there was pain in heaven. I wonder how they spent their last days together. Not any different in this video we watched, knowing that pending death was coming. I wonder what kind of conversations they had. 
Did they just hold each other and embrace each other? Imagine you saying goodbye, and you knew that by Christmas, your son wouldn't make it. Imagine those last moments like Doc's family had with him. Did they just hold each other and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you? Did he, did he spend those moments just wide awake and completely tired, thinking, I don't want to miss a second of time? Did they just sit and talk and think about the reunion? I don't know. But I know for me personally, if I knew that was on the horizon and, and I knew it was coming, I would give every second of possible to spend with my children. Some have asked, was Jesus, did Jesus willingly do? What was Jesus' response? Was he ticked at his father? Was he mad? Was he upset? Or did he willingly go? Did he willingly become the sacrificial lamb? Was he willing to go there? Or was there times when he just said, I'm upset with my father. Imagine you giving that death sentence to, to your son. Would he be upset? Jesus, his responses were impeccable. Look at John chapter 17 and verse 24. Look at some of his early responses to what his father had done. John chapter 17 and verse 24. Jesus says these words to his father. Out of nowhere, he brings these phrases to his dad and saying, you know, dad, I'm not upset. Look at verse 24. It says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And imagine... There's only a few times in the New Testament in those 33 years that God actually spoke to his son. And so he's, every time his son spoke, he had to have his ear to the ground and listening because it was his son, wouldn't you? If you could get a text or an email or something on the answer machine, wouldn't you just run to it? What did he say? What did he say? And every time Jesus had an opportunity, he honored his father. He gave glory to his dad saying, it's going to be okay, dad. Can you imagine the conversation between us two as they see Christmas for what it really means? A son being born so that he could die and save the world. A father who loves the lost world enough to send his son to save the world, to save you and me. And then in John 10, there's another instance where Jesus, he, he wasn't ticked at his father And it's like he's saying, Dad, I'm going to be okay. Dad, I believe in this plan. Dad, I respect you. Look at John 10 in verse 17. Jesus has another opportunity to respond. And he says this, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. He willingly said, The reason... My father loves me is because I lay down my life. He said, I'm willing to do it. Can you imagine that conversation as he looked at his son and Jesus said, you know what? The reason my dad loves me is because he wants me to come and I'm willingly lay down my life. And the, and the, the comfort that it brought the father knowing that he's going to be okay. I don't know about you, but this stuff is heavy to me. Can you imagine calling your son over? And saying to him, someone must save the world. And you're the remedy. You must die. Picture, if you can, ten months before Christmas. Picture Jesus in heaven. And then picture nine months before Christmas. Finally, that separation is about ready to take place. Picture the last day, the last hour, the last second, when Jesus decided to give himself up, to make himself nothing. And the Philippians 2, the incarnate God, he entered the womb through the Holy Spirit and gave birth to Mary. Picture that last second. Was it a last embrace from the Father to the Son? You see, Christmas from the Heavenly Father and Son perspective is so different than how sometimes we see it. It was a gift of grace. Now picture the time apart. Christmas has taken place. There's a birth. Jesus is beginning his ministry. Look at his response to the Father. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 23. The son's respect to his father continues. Look at John 16 and verse 23. Jesus says this. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. 
My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. And ask, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He acknowledges that his Father can take care of anything, even in his incarnate form. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 30. Just turn back a couple chapters. Look at another response from the Son to the Father. John chapter 5 and verse 30. He's shown utmost, utmost respect to his dad. He says this in John 5 and verse 30. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Even in the incarnate form, God wanted to please, or Jesus wanted to please his, his father God. John chapter 14 and verse 31 tells us that Jesus was obedient to his father. Luke chapter 10 and verse 21, he praised his father. John chapter 14 and verse 16, he always asked his dad for help. And then in John 5 and verse 17, look back at John chapter 5 and verse 17. Look what it says here. Jesus says this about his father. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. And in John chapter 10 and verse 29, he saw his father God as incredibly powerful. I love how many times he calls him father. You see, it's difficult. When there's a rift between a father and son, it's difficult. You hear words like, old oh, man, and you don't give respect to your father. But Jesus never reneged on his respect, even though he knew part of the plan would be death for him. He loved his father through this separation. He respected him enough not to nix the plan so far. You know, he could have railed on his father. But he didn't because he was a sinless sacrifice, perfect in every way. Now just think for a minute what Jesus gave up. He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I know he remained that, but in a physical form, he was worshipped. And when he walked into the, the heavenly rooms, angels would bow down. And now he goes and walks on earth. To, and, and, and for 33 years, he gets no respect like he got in heaven. He was no longer this, the center of tension of everything that moved. He was, he was approved by some and hated by many. And no one knew him well enough to even make a reservation at the end in his name. He was heaven's champion and now would become Herod's scapegoat. These were not easy days for a father and son. Church, we cannot lose that in the Christmas story. There was pain in the hallways of heaven. There was pain in the separation. And some of you understand this better than others. And maybe it'll help us to understand what you're going through. I wonder how many times Jesus considered leaving and going back home. I wonder how many times when the Father took walks down the streets of heaven and wanted to play catch with Jesus. This was a very long time, 33 years but then there's these moments in Scripture. There's these moments, there's like these pockets of time where, where God spoke just a few times in the New Testament. And the New Testament records just a couple times where God finally spoke. And I'm sure there was times he wanted to say, this is my boy, I'm happy, I'm pleased in him. This is my son. Doesn't every dad want to say that about his children? This is my daughter, this is my son. I want you to know I'm proud of you. Wonder how many times when he watched him, when he spoke with such great intellect and, and he performed miracles, there had to be these moments he wanted to open up to heaven and say, That's my boy. But he barely spoke. And but when he did, imagine what it meant to Jesus. There was a time when he did reveal himself. Look at Luke chapter 22. Jesus is in pain. Luke chapter 22. He's on the Mount of Olives, and he knows that death is coming. Jesus knows. And it's right before he's arrested. He knows his time is short. And Jesus says this in verse 42 of Luke chapter 22. Look what it says. Father, 
if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus was in human form, and he was in pain. Now imagine, now think about this. God could have just yanked him out and said, forget about humankind. Come on home. But he followed through with this beautiful plan of salvation. And look what he did instead in this moment. He wanted to speak, but look what he did in verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Can you imagine God the Father looking and says, Hey, Gabriel, go. Hey, Michael, go. My boy needs help. And immediately these angels went and attended Jesus in this time of need. And he wanted to say, I sent them, but he didn't. Because the separation was there. And from time to time when he was able, he let him know that he was there. Just a few times did he speak. Look at John chapter 12. Please turn there. John chapter 12, one book over. John chapter 12 and verse 27. Jesus speaks these words and his heart is troubled. In John chapter 12 and verse 27, it says this. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say, Father, Dad? Save me from this hour. He's crying out, save me from this hour. Not much different than you will receive from your own child. No, he says, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The father sees the troubled child. Look what it says. Then a what came from heaven? A voice from heaven. And it said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. He waited on the tip of, of, on, the, on the, the tip of heaven, and he yelled, I will glorify it, and I will glorify it again. He had this pent-up voice. 30 years, he finally said something. And I'm sure it ministered to the son. That's my daddy. Then there's this another time when this special event in Jesus' life. Turn back to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3. There's this moment in time when his son is going through something very, very significant. His baptism. Not much different than we're going to experience next week. And in Matthew chapter 3, in verse 16 says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a what from heaven came? Voice, look. This is my son and whom I'm with, with whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Picture, all of a sudden a voice came from heaven. The heavens were parted and he's getting baptized and he's coming out and he says, that's my boy. Hey, hey you down there. I am pleased. I mean, saying 33 years, and he finally got thought, that's my boy. It's not any different when you see the name of your child, and they're walking through a sports arena, and they have your name on their back, and you're saying, Brown, that's my boy. That's my girl. And he was proud of them. Can you imagine what that did to Jesus? He's coming out of the water and says the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was baptized. He was immersed and he came out and he heard this voice from heaven. The water's ringing from his head. That's my boy. Can you imagine his response? That's my daddy. He was proud and he wanted to take the chance to say, good job, son. Doesn't every father want to have that kind of relationship with their children? And doesn't every son want to hear from his father, I'm proud of you? You know, I still hear that from my dad or hear it from my mom or hear it from my stepfather when they say, Jimmy, I'm proud of you. I'm telling you, that does something to me, and I'm four, almost 49 years old. This past week, I'll give you an example. I'm in my office and preparing for this message, and I'm just dying, just be quite frank. I'm thinking about this father-son relationship and I love my children and, and I get this text out of the blue and I look down at my Blackberry and it says Josh Brown. You ever get a text from your wife or from your husband or your children and it's like, it's my family. I look down, it's Josh, he's in college and holy cow, he sent me a text. It's like, and I read it and I open it up and, and it said in a few short lines, Dad, just want to let you know I met with the coach at Grace College, baseball coach, before we left. 
and he told me I made the varsity baseball team. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I hit it. I am proud as you as fast as I could type it. <laughs> but why? And I typed, I'm proud of you, son. I love you. And he responded back, I love you too, dad. And I'm sure in that moment, it wasn't much different than a father fills with his son as they're standing there, and he heard this voice from heaven, and God said, I am proud of you, and the son probably said, I love you too. You see, this was tough. They hadn't had the ability to touch in 33 years. It must have been difficult as he watched him go through ridicule, abuse, and hardship. Come on, church. Come on, parents. Knowing that your, your child is going to die, and they they curse at him. They spit on him. And he's perfect. And the reason you sent him was for them. And they curse and, and ridicule him. And then they drive nails in his hands. Imagine the restraint of our God because he loves us. We got to have that part of Christmas. We must feel the pain or we won't understand the story. This sacrifice of his gift it's more than we'll ever comprehend on this side of heaven. We'll understand one day. Now fast forward ahead. Jesus is, is going to the cross. And the Father God knew the time, the appointed time when he would die. Now fast forward ahead. God begins to pace the streets of heaven, knowing that the death is coming. Thinking he's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. And I know this needs to happen because I love these people. A perfect sacrifice must die. And he probably paced and the angels saw him because Jesus' pending death was coming. And he knew it. He knew the millisecond when the last breath would be breathed. And his heart became heavy. Listen to me, church. God felt pain. The father felt pain at the loss of his son at Christmas. And in Matthew 26, verse 42, Jesus says these words from the Garden of Gethsemane. My father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken away, not possible unless I drink it, may your will be done. The agony of death was on him. And it says that he sweated drips of blood in the garden because he knew what was coming. Wouldn't any father want to reach down and wipe the, the blood sweat off of his brow and reach down and say, I'm taking you home. Stop this, this carnage. Stop this mess. These people are lost. I got you. That's enough. But he loved us so much that he was willing to give his son. That's Christmas. And then the love he felt for his son when he's on the cross. And there were seven final sayings. And one said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He, he saw his son walk even to death, brutal death on the cross and not back away. The unbelievable respect he must have had for his son and how proud he was. Listen to me today. Grace community, we are recipients of unusual grace. God showed us what it meant to love us through the gift of Jesus Christ. He gave his absolute best for us, not so that we'd never tell anybody else about that gift. Maybe now, just now, you have a greater appreciation for the pain that our Father God went through when he gave his son. And maybe now, even now, those of you who have great loss, you know that you have a Father God who has experienced pain even to what greater levels that you've experienced. And he's a God who understands, who can take that pain in your life and meet it and cover it and love it and comfort it. Maybe now this Christmas will be a lot different for you. When you sit around and you exchange gifts and you tell the story, let me tell you the most incredible gift that was ever given. It was Jesus Christ. Jesus showed the full extent of his love by being a willing sacrifice for a group of people, maybe even this room, that will reject him. 
God, help us today. God, sometimes we lose sight of the pain. And pain is part of the process of finding hope and victory and healing. God, we got to go through the pain of Christmas in order to experience the, the grace that was given to us. And God, I pray in this room first for those who've experienced great pain because of loss and what they miss because of the separation. And God, I ask that you would cover them and you would protect them. And, and God, you would meet them at their greatest need and that you would be their greatest comfort. And God, help us to be more able to understand what other people have went through through loss and death. And God, help us to understand Christmas. Lord, help us not to get lost in the commercialization of it. And God, when people try to remove Christ from Christmas, they've missed the point of what took place. God, some of us here understand what it means to receive that gift. And some of us here understand the, the joy that comes with that salvation. Oh, Lord, I pray for boldness that we would share with others. And I pray for comfort as we walk through hard times. But, Lord, we know that we have a God who's been tested and tempted and suffered in many ways far beyond what we ever had. Yet, God, a God who understands and loves us. How can I talk about salvation? How can I talk about this gift without extending the, the gift to you? So if you're here today and you walked in here and it's Christmas and it's the time, maybe it's the only time of the year you come and you're saying, here I am and I hear this, this message about this God who loved his son. And let me tell you, he loves you. He gave his life for you. And the truth of the matter, the gospel is this, that Christ came and died and was resurrected on the third day. And the reason it came, because there's a void between us and heaven. There's a gap, and the only way we can get there is through this incredible gift given at Christmas, Jesus Christ. Father, help us right now. In this room, there's pain, I'm sure. And there could be people in this room who have resisted the salvation for a long time. And there could be people in this room who are pretending that they have this salvation gift, and have been playing the game, yet truth be known, they're as lost as lost can be. God, I pray that you would secure their hearts and mind. And I bind Satan's hands who wants to steal the seed of the gospel that's being presented. And I pray that truth would surface, and we would see there's a God that loves us so much that he was willing to give his son so that we could be redeemed. Lord, help us. If you're in this room and and you're hopeless, and maybe you just have pain in your life, and you can't find, you can't find a remedy to it. The answer is Jesus Christ. And if there's this void in your life, and, and you're a self-made man or woman, and you're trying to find your way, and you've come to the end of yourself, the reason you've come to yourself is because you can't save yourself. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus. Maybe today we'll begin a new journey in your life. Maybe you'll take the lead and follow God and surrender and have hope beyond the grave, and have hope on earth, that no matter what comes, no, no matter if it's hell or high water, you have hope in Jesus, and you're redeemed, and if you breathe your last breath, the next breath you breathe is in the presence of a Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here today, and you're uncertain, and, and you drifted, and you don't know, and, and maybe you're hearing, man, I need a God that loves me like that. Listen to me. I invite you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says if we believe with our mouth, or if we believe with our minds and confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. So if you want to be saved, you want to take this free gift, this is your time. This is the moment that, that God has predestined before the foundation of the world that you would be saved. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another second. Today could be the day of salvation. If that's you, and you want to drive a stake in the ground and say, today's the day, Jim. I know with absolute certainty that today was the day. Christmas of 2010, that I understood the full death of his love, and I surrendered my soul and my life and my will. Pray with me. In your heart, dear God, I'm a sinner I repent. I'm sorry. I'm wasting my life. 
forgive me of my sins. I receive that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. I need Christ. I want Jesus. And I want to have a moment in time when I, when I stepped across that line. Today, God, be the Lord and leader of my life. And I repent, God. I will go in the opposite direction and I will follow you the rest of my life. Save me, Jesus. Save me. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, listen to me. I can't preach the gospel without telling you to receive the gospel. It's impossible. If you're here today and you said, today was the day I know. This is the day that I took this free gift, Jim, that you're talking about through Jesus Christ. And today was the day of salvation. I received him and I am radically saved. Would you just do me a favor? If you're sitting in the link, Pastor Rich and Pastor Jeremy and others are there. They see you. If you're in the main, if you're, you're in South Bend, Mishawaka, Pastor Tim sees you. If you're on the internet, send me an email. But if today was the day of salvation for you, you said, today was the day, Jim. Just raise your hand. It's me. It's me looking at you. Just don't be ashamed. Just hold your hand up. Say, today was the day that I gave my life to Christ. Please, don't be afraid. Thank you, God. Don't be afraid. Thank you, God. Thanks, God, that your gospel is as good today as it was 2,000 years ago when you walked on planet Earth. God, now I pray for these individuals who responded, I know, in the main, potentially in the link and maybe around the world. I ask, God, that you would surround them from the north, south, east, and the west. I pray that you'll place angels around their lives to protect them. I pray, God, that they'll, that they'll stick in your word and they'll read your word and they'll get plugged in and study. And I pray that they'll make a, a, a community where they are digging in. And God, I pray for your blessing upon their life in an unusual way. And God, may they rejoice. And I pray, God, that today they will go and tell someone else today was the day of salvation. God, we love you. We're grateful that your gift that you gave 2,000 years ago still saves today. And Lord, I pray that when we leave this place, I pray that we'll take this grace gift and pass it on. I pray for family gatherings at Christmas. I pray for family friend gatherings and work gatherings around uh, uh, dinners. I pray for Christmas parties. I pray that the gospel will surface and I pray that there will be a revolution of, of transformation because of Jesus Christ like we've never seen before. I pray for boldness. I pray for clarity. I pray for open mouths. I pray that we would share the good news that we have in Christ. And I pray, God that this community be radically changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you to go, to share, and let others know of that great sacrifice of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Go, share, and let people know the good news of Christ. Merry Christmas.